everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight, and we welcome you to the program today and hope indeed you will stay tuned for the entire time we have together, oh, the next 25, 30 minutes or so, as we have a special message from the Word of God. We've got a musical selection coming your way also right now in, uh, in just a moment. I want to share with you a word just uh, very quickly about Pathway Christian Academy in Goldsboro. If you live in the Goldsboro-Wayne County area or within commuting distance of of Goldsboro, we operate a Christian school program for kindergarten four through grade 12. And uh, many of our classes, honestly, are already filled up for next year. But we do have a few vacancies available in a few classes. So here's what I'd like you to do if you're interested Go to the Pathway Academy website. It's pathwayacademy.org. I need you to go there, pathwayacademy.org. Check it out. Read all about the program. You'll find a lot of useful information there. And then if you are interested, give us a call. There's a number there on the page. Give us a call and set up an appointment, or we can tell you more information if there's any vacancies in the classes you might be interested in for your children. And uh, we can set up an appointment, let you tour the campus, check out everything, and, uh, and of course, get you enrolled or either put you on a waiting list, if that might be the case, uh, for something you're interested in. Again, that's pathwayacademy.org. O-R-G, pathwayacademy.org. Let me also mention the share for Go Mix Radio, which is basically underway now. We want to thank everybody that's already contributed by returning your pre-share contribution cards that you received in the mail. Many others have called in, and we're so thankful for you doing that. Now, if, you, if you'd like to support Go Mix Radio, that would be the station that you might be listening to right now if you're listening to this program on the radio. It is supported by the faith promise gifts and offerings of, of our listeners. So be sure to check it out. Go to the Go Mix website, if you will, at gomixradio.org. Again, that's gomixradio.org. Org. You'll find all kinds of information there about the uh, about the ministry, about the radio station. We're trying at this time. By the way, we have ten frequencies on the air. Trying to put number eleven on the air by late summer of this year. That's our goal, anyway. And uh, that will be in the Clinton area. And folks in Clinton uh, can receive our signal now very marginally. Uh, that's mostly on the eastern and southern part of Clinton. But we're going to—we're having a new station that will cover all of Clinton, including some other additional areas of Sampson County. So, here again, check it out: GoMixRadio.org. Today, the message is entitled "Bent in the Wrong Direction" or "Inward Bent," and we're going to be talking about that in just a few moments. But just before the message, uh, this song kind of goes along with this. It. Kind of, it kind of sounds like a children's song, but there's a lot of truth here, and it's the fact that God is indeed still working on us. He's not finished with us. God's got a work to do in our lives, particularly if we are bent in the wrong direction. He's still working 
from the Hemp Hills on today's Pathlight program, and uh, he's still, indeed, working on uh, on me and you. He's still about that, and uh, till one day he can present us faultless before his heavenly Father, which is in heaven. When I was a little boy, we didn't have video games and things like that, so we spent a lot of time outside, so we were always building things or doing things or pretending. Oh, we played cowboys and Indians and soldiers and all kinds of cops and robbers and all kinds of stuff, but often we'd build things. I mean, you know, you, you give me two pieces of wood and a couple of rusty nails, and, and I'd, I'd fi- try to find something to build, whatever it might be. It might be a piece of junk, but I'd, I'd try to build something. Now, now Dad taught me a principle in nailing wood together. Now, we didn't always have the right size or right kind of nail. Uh, often the nails we used for things like that were old nails, and they were rusty. They'd been used before, so you'd take them, you'd straighten them out, and, and you'd use them. So, some, some of the folks listening, I'm sure, are very much aware of what I'm talking about. So often you'd nail a nail to put two, two boards together, and because the nail was not the correct size, it would come out the other side. You'd have a, a point of that nail sticking out the second board, and although the boards were put together, there was, a, there was a lot of nail sticking out on the other side. Now, of course, what we would do is bend those over. Now, Dad quickly taught me the proper way to bend over a nail. You say, well, well how can there be a science to bending over a nail? <laughs> no, technically there's not. You just bend the thing over. But Dad always taught me to put a little crook in it if you could, and then nail it back into the wood. In other words, you make it almost like a staple. So the point of the nail 
goes back into the wood, all right? Now, he was teaching me. Now, it made it a lot more aggravating if he ever had to get that nail out. I will admit that. But Dad was teaching me a principle that, number one, it makes the, it makes the, the bond a lot stronger when you do that. But secondly, you're not going to scrape your hand if you pick up that board later or rub up against that board later because the point is going to be back in the, in the wood, and any of you that's ever worked with wood before where some guy nailed a nail and bent it over and your hand gets snagged on that thing, you know what I'm talking about. It hurts. So, so you say, man, I wish the guy had, a, had, a, had a put that thing in there the way he should have. That way that would not have, have been a problem. It was bent incorrectly. And I want to share with you a message bent in the wrong direction. I'm going to be in Titus chapter 1, verse number 15. We'll use several other scriptures, but that'll be a good starting point. Unto the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Again, that's Titus chapter 1, verse number 15. Let me make a statement to you, if I might. If you are not actively fighting against it, you are a self-centered person, and, and so am I. Again, I said, if you are not actively fighting against it, you are a self-centered person. The human nature, due to the corruption of the original sin, is so deeply curved in on itself, bent in toward itself, that self inevitably comes first. Sometimes it is so bent that we can even become prideful about the gifts of God. There are people who, who preach or teach or sing or serve in church, and they become prideful about their work, while although they're serving God, or that's what publicly they, they have a testimony of doing, they're bent toward themselves, so even in that, they get prideful. We're going to be talking to, uh, today about that inward bent. Now, sometimes the reasons behind a behavior can be just as important as the behavior itself. And that's why I want to take a look at that in, in this message. Now, lost people, people that don't know the Lord Jesus, can do a lot of good things. A person can check off the entire good Christian list by doing things like going to church and reading the Bible and serving people and basic, being basically a, a moral person. Yet, they may be driven by the most self-serving and selfish of reasons. Reasons like receiving praise from others or getting rewarded in some way or even assuming they're earning favor with God. These are the kind of things that God calls filthy rags in Isaiah 64, 6. Think about just one example, if you will, for a moment. Let's consider work. Work. God ordained work from the beginning. Before the fall, even, as something good man could do to reflect the nature of God. Because God works. So man was commissioned to dress and keep the garden even before the fall. God is laborious. God works. God is industrious. He's always busy. Jesus says, my father worketh hitherto, and I work, John 5, 17. So God is not only a 40-hour-a-week schedule. God works. Adam worked, and he worked joyfully and willingly for the Lord before the fall. Adam apparently did so even though food was so abundant that he would have had plenty to eat if he never lifted a finger, but he worked because he wanted to please God. His bent was toward God. 
There are people today that say, I don't want to teach in the church. I don't want to do nothing in the church. I don't want to serve in the church because, well, you know, I, I, it, it would take too much time. I'd have to study. They are inward bent. They're inward bent. Adam's bent was outward toward God. But now, after the fall, man has an inward, self-centered bent, so the carnal man, whether he's saved or lost, usually will not work if he can get out of it, especially if he was not trained as a child to work hard. That's why giving food to those who are able to work but refuse to do so is hurting them in the long run. It makes no sense. Actually, the fact that our provision depends on our willingness to work is a kindness from God. For example, consider the many forms of welfare and public assistance. Quite often, these things can harm the people they're trying, they're trying to help. I'm not against helping someone that legitimately needs help. I'm referring to the sluggards that are unwilling to work. Retirement is another example. If a believer chooses to retire, he should understand the dangers and be mindful of how the Lord may wish to use him in his latter years to continue to serve. Health and other issues might hinder that. I, I understand that, and God understands that, but, but I'm just saying if you're able to work, you ought to work. You may cut back. There may be some things you're not able to do anymore but that you could do when you were younger, but you're called to work. Actually, the fact that our provision depends upon our willingness to work, again, I say, is a kindness from God. God has designed it that way. As you mature, as you grow in Christ, you should increasingly perform the toil of labor as an act of worship to God and as a means to bless and serve others. If you fail to do this, your soul is going to be withered, a withered version of what it could be. This is the fruit of the inwardly curved life bent in the wrong direction. The inwardly bent human heart doesn't often respond rightly to blessings from the Lord. He assumes he deserves it, or at least that he was lucky. The man that is mature in his love for God, however, recognizes that the Lord always brings him what he needs at any given moment. He knows that the Lord meticulously crafts every instant of his life to include the precise measure of blessing and the precise measure of trial that he needs, and God never gets the recipe wrong. There's never too much shortening in the biscuits, if you will. God gets the recipe right. The prescription is always right. If you need a trial to mature you, God's going to send a trial. The moment you don't need your trials anymore, they'll be gone. The moment you allow your blessings to start hurting you, they will cease. The Lord is a portion of mine inheritance, the psalmist said in Psalm 15, 5 through 6, and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a godly or a goodly heritage. In blessing or hardship, it is important to remember that God does all things well. Did you hear me? I said God does all things well. So if a better plan for your life were possible, he would have ordered it that way. Can you agree with that? I says, if a better plan for your life were possible, God would have ordered it to be that way. The only people for whom the total absence of difficulty is beneficial was pre-fallen man or us after we're glorified and, and in heaven. So we suffer in this life. It's good for us. But I will admit, I don't like it any more than you do. However, the wise man 
or the wise woman knows this full well, and he chooses joy and gratitude in response to whatever the Father brings. Now, no one starts off this way. Remember what I said? We're all curved inward, selfish and pleasure-seeking, oblivious or even outright rebellious to the Lord's chosen means to bless us, especially if they involve any hardship. When you're curved inward, your happiness will depend on people and circumstances. Cynicism, hopelessness, grumbling, complaining, self-pity, apathy, cowardice, jealousy, all these things show that your allegiance is too much toward yourself and the things of this earth and not enough toward God. These things cannot exist in a heart consumed with the love of God and the love of others. One attitude will, be, will necessarily displace the other. You know, the Word of God teaches us that we are part, if you're saved today, of a chosen race, a royal priesthood. This new priesthood offers not the blood of bulls, but they offer themselves as a living sacrifice, according to Romans 12, to, to the Lord. The Lord has no need of anything, much less anything a creature can do. God doesn't need me to make him greater. If I serve God today, God doesn't look down and say, I'm glad, I'm glad old Worthington served me today. That makes me greater. There's nothing I can do to add to the glory of God, to add to the greatness of God. But God is pleased when I obey him. God is pleased when I give of myself to others for his sake, trusting he will care for me in the end. Let me make a statement here. Nothing you lose for God will leave you as a loss. Probably too many negatives in that for uh, the English specialist out there, but it's good theology. Nothing you lose for God will leave you as a loss. It's not going to remain a loss. Do you remember the Levites, the Old Testament priests? Do you remember them? Do you remember something unique about them? As God was dividing up the land, there was no portion of land for them. They didn't have anything, but they had a privileged inheritance greater than land, greater than mere possessions. They had a unique opportunity to serve God that others didn't have. You are a part of a priesthood today. And yes, you can own land, you can own positions, you may actually be very wealthy. But the point is this, you have something greater than all that, and that is a privileged inheritance because you have a unique opportunity to serve God. And when you look at your possessions and you're bent in among yourselves, you're not going to use those for God's glory. Does your heart delight in the Lord as your portion? Or are you often grieving over the stuff that you feel God has withheld from you and, in your opinion, should not have withheld from you? Can I ask you something? What makes your life worth living? Or what would make your life more worth living? If I ask you what makes it worth living, you might talk about your family. You might talk about, uh, you know, things in your life. But what would make your life more worth living? Some might say more money would make my life more worth living. More possessions might add pleasure to my life. Perhaps you're seeking a life of leisure or better health. If any of these things are true for you, don't you see the inward bent? If any of the things of this earth are going to make your life more worth living, don't you see the inward bent? 
The opportunity to serve God is what makes life worth living, and more and greater opportunities to serve God is what adds value to our life, regardless of the pleasure or pain that might be allowed to come my way. If you can grasp this, and most people cannot, but if you can grasp this, then you will see how the removal of all those lesser gods no matter how good they might appear to be, is a kindness from the Lord. Again, I go back to our text verse, Titus 1.15. Until the pure, all things are pure. If you're bending in the right direction, if you're bent in the right direction toward God, to the pure, all things are pure. But to them that are defiled and unbelieving, bent in among themselves, nothing is pure. But even your mind and conscience is defiled. The heart bent toward God makes all things pure and good. But the heart bent inward pollutes not just the heart, according to the word of God, but the mind and the conscience also. That's why an inward bent person has a disposition toward people that is easily irritated, often possessive and jealous, seeking to control or change other people. They're never they're going to gripe about something that someone does or something someone says or something about someone's life because that is just simply the way they are. Their mind and conscience is defiled. They're going to naturally dwell not on whatsoever is good, whatsoever is of a good report, but they're going to dwell on that which is bad. God may allow such a person to give. Such a person that's bent toward himself may actually be a generous giver. But he pities himself when he doesn't get what he expected in return for his gift. You and I give as unto the Lord. If we get nothing in return, that, that's up to God. I just do what God says. And sadly, such a person may be totally blind to the motives that drive him. So may I ask you, if God withholds a blessing from you, something that you want, something you desire, something you have perhaps wanted for years, and God has withheld that blessing from you. If God withholds such a blessing from you, I ask you this, why would you want it? If God, who loves you beyond all measure, your heavenly Father who loves you, cares for you. If he withholds a blessing from you, why would you want it when you understand it would be for your good for God to withhold it? If it for your good to have it, you would have it. Trust the Lord to give and to remove as he sees fit because he alone is perfectly pure. All that he does for you and I is pure and undefiled. It cannot be otherwise. I realize that some have lived hard and difficult lives. I understand that. I'm not making light of that. Please don't think I am. And, and, and for so many of us, the events the Lord has granted to us have maybe from time to time in a moment of weakness understandably caused us to question his love. We know that was wrong, but we have. As a matter of fact, we might even go so far as to say that you and I would never subject the people we love to some of the things our Father has brought upon us. In fact, in many cases, we might even look at it as sinful if I did to someone what God sometimes does to me. 
But you see, the point is, I judge with a limited vision when I judge. I don't see everything. I don't see the motives. I don't see the whole picture. I don't see every piece of the puzzle. I don't understand it. God does. So sometimes God's going to do something I'm going to judge as unfair, but it's not because God sees the whole picture. God will not do what's wrong. He cannot do what's wrong. He's perfectly pure. He cannot do but what is pure. Your suffering, your suffering is not a punishment from God. God sees you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you need and what you don't need. He knows how he can use you best for the advancement of the kingdom and the uplifting of Jesus Christ. God knows that. I don't know that, and you don't either. But if you're his, he loves you, and he is for you. And though he may never reveal his purposes to you this side of heaven, he's fully committed to your good and to your joy. God wants you to be joyful. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, the second thing mentioned there. Love, joy. God says, I want you to be joyful as a Christian. So let me ask you something tonight. Are you joyful? Are you content? Your inner turmoil is a perhaps a check engine light that makes you aware that you have some work to do, that something is not quite as it should be. Maybe something is bent in the wrong direction. Maybe if you're not joyful and content, it means that you're looking inward rather than upward and outward. And once you see this truth, once you see it clearly, freedom is there for the asking. Consider this verse I want to share with you in closing. It's not mere words. It's God's words. And it's actually God's promise to you. I find it in Psalm 16, verse number 11, where the psalmist says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. God will show you the path of life. He revealed to you the plan of salvation. He'll give you the path that he wants you to trot on this earth. And in that presence of God is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Our job is to make sure that we are not bent in the wrong direction. with that, I want to thank you for tuning in to today's Pathlight program. If our programs are a blessing to you, we would indeed enjoy hearing from you. And also let me remind you, if you're listening to this by way of radio, that these programs are also available on the Pathlight podcast. You can get them there. Also, they're available on the Facebook site of Go Mix Christian Radio. A Pathway Christian Academy and Christian Bible College. There's also some archives in all of those places that if you missed a program, you can go back and catch it. Or if you have a friend that you think might enjoy or might need today's program, you can go back and listen to it on those sites. Well, until next time, T.D. Worthington say, may God richly bless you is my prayer. You walk with the Lord and make sure you're bent toward serving Him. <laughs>